0: The NTT IndyCar Series is just past the halfway point of the season as the teams and drivers head to this weekend's Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio. There will be plenty of fireworks in this 4th of July battle because it's the last race before a lengthy four-weekend break because IndyCar's television partner, NBC, will televise the Summer Olympics from Tokyo. When the schedule originally came out, IndyCar would have had a race the weekend of July 11th, the Honda Indy Toronto. But that race has been canceled as Canada continues to struggle with the COVID-19 pandemic. The Toronto race has been canceled and IndyCar announced last Monday that the race will not be added on to another existing race weekend. So that means this season will consist of 16 races instead of the originally intended 17 races. IndyCar won't have another race until the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix on the streets of Nashville on August 8th. With seven races left in the season, two of IndyCar's youngest drivers are leading the championship standings. 24-year-old Alex Palou of Spain scored his second victory of his career and the second this season with a big win in the Rev Group Grand Prix at Road America on June 20th. He leads 22-year-old Pato Award of Mexico by 28 points. Paloo and Award are the only drivers that have won more than one race during the 2021 IndyCar season. Six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon is third in the standings, 56 points behind his Chip Ganassi Racing teammate Paloo. Hard luck team Penske driver Joseph Newgarden is fourth, 88 points out of the lead, followed by teammate Simon Pagino, who is 94 points out of first place. Redance VK, one of our two guests on this week's show, is sixth in the standings, 106 points behind Pelot, but he had to miss the Road America race because of a broken clavicle suffered in a bike riding accident in Indiana on June 14th. The 20-year-old driver from the Netherlands had surgery to repair the broken clavicle but is expected to participate this weekend at the Mid-Ohio sports car course as he returns to action in the number 21 Sonax Chevrolet for Ed Carpenter Racing. He is just one point ahead of Colton Herta of Andretti Autosport, four points ahead of Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing, and 15 ahead of Graham Rahal of Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. Here is my interview with VK from Sunday, June 20th at Road America as he describes his bicycle crash and the injury that came with it. So what happened?
1: um, I was
0: riding on
1: a straight bike trail, like something like the Monon, just a little north in Indiana, and no cars, no other cyclists, like fresh paved roads, and I was just taking it easy, just kind of spinning, and uh, I was just uh, talking about the race weekend with Brown, my trainer, and we were side by side, and I don't know what cost it, like maybe some like animal ran into my front wheel or something but i'm pretty sure something caused my front wheel to like go sideways and send me over the bike and then like i don't i never like to fall face first oh, so no, no, no. i turned away from the fall and no. fell on the back of my left shoulder and you know, i didn't feel i didn't feel any pain but then i did you also i, I saw the bone
0: like but did you also keep your you probably didn't want to mess up your hand either. So did you? No, no I all I'm
1: like my hands are, so, they are yeah. fine. So, I really like made myself small and rolled onto my side and, unfortunately, broke my collarbone. So, you know what kind of animal it was. I'm not sure if it was an animal or,
0: you know,
1: maybe I slipped off. I don't know. Yeah. Like it really is.
0: I really don't know
1: what caused it. But you know, I'm I'm smart enough not to just hit the front brake at one one time. So I'm not sure what caused it, but at least yeah, that's. So then, from that point on, how did you get to the hospital? Um. Well, we were on. Uh, I think we just crossed like uh, a crossing. Uh, we pa- just passed the crossing, so uh, I was. Uh, yeah, I was with Round, so he made sure I was, you know, sitting and stable, and I had my phone with me. Yeah. So I, if something was wrong, I'd call him but um, he drove to the crossing because we didn't know where we were. And uh, he called the ambulance and like, within 10 minutes they
0: were there and uh, they could get me to the hospital. So is yours similar to what uh, Joseph Dugarden had several years ago?
1: It's similar, uh, just like the surgery was a little different. Uh, maybe they learned from him, but they placed the metal plate lower so the hand device is not pressing on it. Yeah. And the addition is also a little bit lower. And looking at, like, the photo that Ed has from from his, like, uh, post-surgery wounds yeah. and mine, mine looks quite a bit better, so uh, it's
0: uh, good to know. The momentum that you had created this season, how much did you really just think about that?
1: Uh, well, I felt terrible for a yeah. long time. Uh, especially when I had to call with Dr. Billows and he told me, you know, don't drive. So that was tough, but uh, I got to listen to the doctors. They only want to make me better and uh, make me heal. So felt really bad. But right now I kind of accepted it. Of course, it's hard to see my car take off from pit lane. Yeah. With not me being it. Um, but yeah, I've you know, I kind of accepted it and... Uh, you know, I just see this as a lab one, like a start trash, you know, same result kind of. And uh, then I'll just give it all again in mid Ohio. So what is the timetable? Uh, the doctor said I can drive in mid Ohio. Of course it's a pain tolerance thing, but you know, look at how my arm can stretch. It's, it's getting pretty good just to the front. It's a little hard, but this is only my fifth day after surgery, so. Uh, what kind of pain do you experience? Um, right now it's just like the muscles that are kind of Yeah. The muscles that they just kinda of feel odd, like no strength yeah. and just uh just a little bit in shock still from the from the head and from surgery. So uh it's it's going like two times as good every day, so
0: like I expect to improve very, very fast very soon. Now, I know that you really like this place and not have getting a chance to run here. How big a bummer is that? Um, it's, it's, it sucks, yeah, <laughs>
1: just yeah. Uh, it's an awesome place, the fans are awesome around here and luckily I'm still here and I'm still here for the fans and I can still walk around and kind of get the experience but not as, a, not as a driver this time so I will try to learn as much as possible like with the opportunity to look from outside this time and then uh, yeah just uh,
0: hopefully, uh, hopefully never have this anymore. And the fact that you and Oliver were pretty much rivals when you raced and now he's driving for you, I mean, that's got to be a little unique. Um, yeah, of course, I was a little surprised when
1: I heard it, but I really, i would make the same, de- the same decision as Ed if I was in his place. So I think uh, Oliver is a great driver. He uh, really needs to show what he can do to get a ride for next year. Yeah. So he's motivated, and uh, he's the driver that uh, keeps the car out of the wall. So that's all that Ed needs this weekend. So, uh, Did you get any advice from Nugger? Uh Well, we were in a WhatsApp group together. Uh, we were both part of the Driving with the Titanium Colorbound Club. So. Yeah. Um, like, uh, my engineer brought me in contact with him. So we were both, uh, we were kind of talking about it and talking about how he thought... Uh, the pain felt when he was driving. So he was driving, I think, nine days after surgery. And one, like, I think two races after, yeah. yeah. So, So. uh, you know, I just see this as, you know, it it happens. I didn't take any crazy risk. I was just preparing for this race. And uh, Ed looks at this uh, the same way. And he was not angry at any time. And uh, yeah, he's just, uh, it's just a
0: stupid, stupid accident. Well, three weeks or three races after this will be the Indy Road Course. Yes. And we know how well you've adapted to that. So, you know, yeah. it's got to be one. I mean, we got Ben Ohio. We don't really know what Nashville is going to be like.
1: Uh, I've done Nashville in the same. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah.
0: I think we're going to be fast everywhere. So. Okay. All right, man. <laughs> Take care. Thanks, See you. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. Or, for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Our featured guest on this week's Pit Pass Indy is 2014 NTT IndyCar Series champion and 2018 Indianapolis 500 winning driver Will Power. He is currently 11th in points, but is just two points behind 10th place in the championship standings that is currently held by Takuma Sato of Japan. Power is another tough luck driver at Team Penske this season, but he scored a much needed podium finish at Road America when he drove the number 12 Verizon Chevrolet to a third place finish. I visited Power at his home on Lake Norman, North Carolina last week. One of the best drivers of his generation, Power talks about how things have started off poorly this season, but he has time to make a rapid climb in the standings before the end of 2021. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Will Power, the 2014 NTT IndyCar Series champion and the 2018 Indianapolis 500 winning driver. Will, you're coming off a third-place finish at Road America in the Rev Group Grand Prix. This came after a couple of heartbreaking misses that you had at Detroit. How important was that third-place finish for you moving forward? Uh, Yeah, that was a very
2: good result, a solid day, and even going back to qualifying to get in the fast six and qualify fourth, I was really happy with that um, as I've struggled in qualifying this year. So I have to say even the sixth place after starting 20th in Detroit was really satisfying. So um, a couple of really good races in a row. Obviously the first race in Detroit was going to be a fantastic day, a win, um, or at least, you know, first or second um, battling away. It was a sure win if it stayed green. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, massively disappointing, but had to move on quickly, had a race the next day, and then a race at Road America. So, you know, you, you, can't, you don't dwell on it too long.
0: The thing about the IndyCar Series schedule is it's so compact that sometimes uh, race, 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 Then you'll have a long period of time where there are no races and then have three straight races. But that's pretty much the nature of the schedule. But really, the Detroit race was such a heartbreaker on your end, and you showed true emotion afterward, how angry you were with the way that whole thing shook out. Uh, How long did you harbor that, and how hard was it to get over?
2: Uh, I was definitely disappointed all that night and the next day. Um, You know, went into qualifying and obviously you've totally forgot about it at that point um, on Sunday. But, yeah, I mean, if you weren't emotional about it, I'd say there's something wrong with you and you shouldn't be racing. (laughs) You put so much effort in and it's so hard to win a race in this series. So when you let one slip slip away with some, you know, some little tiny gremlin in the car or the fact they threw a red or it went yellow, you know, really no one's fault. But um, that was a circumstance and just massively disappointing. Um, and, yep, I'm a very emotional person. It goes both ways. I'm <laughs> one of the most loving, cuddly sort of person at home, but at the track I'm, um, you know, dead serious about my job, love to win, put everything into it, and, uh, you know, just was just so gutted at uh, what happened.
0: And did you have a discussion with anyone in race control or with Jay Fry afterwards? I, um,
2: yeah, the next Monday I spoke to Jay Fry on Tuesday uh, to explain myself. So, um, and uh, yeah, I know, I know where I stand and what
0: I'm not to
2: say and what I am to say. So, uh, yeah, we, we sorted that out.
0: But he comes from a competitive background himself, so obviously he had to really understand where you were coming.
2: He did understand the emotion, and he said he doesn't want to um, have drivers not show emotion. So he certainly understood stood that, um, and, um, you know, obviously didn't understand the comments about race control because it had nothing to do with them. So, uh, yep, and I understood his position and apologized.
0: But looking ahead to the rest of the season or looking back at the way the season has started, uh, what are some of the reasons why you may not be qualifying as well as we're used to seeing you?
2: Um, it's, I feel like the Firestone Tire has changed and I've taken a little bit to get used to it. Um, as much as they say they haven't changed, it feels like there's no question they have. But, um, you know, A couple of those bad qualifyings, I was on laps that was more than capable of getting through the session and then, you know, into the next round or maybe the fast six. So, um, and just made mistakes, just a little mistakes. So, um, yeah, definitely have the capability of being up there as per usual, like as it has been for me in the past years. But, um, you know, just didn't put it together very well. So I was pretty determined at at, uh, uh, Elkhart Lake, at Road America to get that right, which I did.
0: The season started out with a fourth place qualifying effort at uh, Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham. You finished second in that race, so you had to feel like, hey, this is the start of a good season for me. The next week, not a bad finish, but it was eighth place at St. Pete. What went wrong there?
2: At St. Pete, that was one of the qualifying sessions where I was on a lap and then um, literally got a gust of wind that blew the front off because you got the windscreen now and it was quite gusty that day and that was the lap I needed. That was a lap I was up and well capable, right on, on par with, I think my teammate got through and ended up on the front row, right on par with him. So, um, yeah, and, you know, Maybe there was a little bit of a setup issue as well. But ultimately, we, I could have got through. So, yep.
0: At uh, Texas Motor Speedway, the doubleheader, you started second and third for both races, but it was a 14th place in the Saturday race, 13th place on Sunday. What was it about that particular race weekend, why things didn't go better then?
2: The Saturday race, we had a um, fuel issue. And it burnt a lot more fuel than it should have, so we had to pit. We pitted early, and lost a lot um, in those sequences because we had to pit early. And um, Sunday, I think I was running. I was running very well, and um, on a restart, got pushed out up into the marbles and went all the way to the back.
0: Moving on to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Grand Prix on that track, you're a three-time winner there. Your teammate, Simon Pagino, is a three-time winner there. So it's not often we see you finish out of the top 10 on that track. What happened there? Bad qualifying,
2: basically. It was a bad qualifying. Um, I uh, I was very loose in qualifying, but still able to, We I should have got through. I should have dealt with that looseness better. And um, I made a mistake, got loose, and then just put a wheel on the grass. And I could have just driven in the pit lane and put it in reverse and stalled it. Um, otherwise, that would have been perfectly fine. So I started, I think, 12th and got stuck behind Ed Jones every stint and it just ruined my day. Yeah, never got, never got, uh, never got a chance.
0: But when it came to qualifying problems, leads into the Indianapolis 500, where you had to advance through the last chance shootout, the last row shootout, whatever they call it these days. But that's not a position that we're used to seeing one of the greatest qualifiers in IndyCar history being in. Do you think in a lot of ways that the team was not ever used to being in a position like that where they had to fight their way to get into the last row and maybe things could have been done a little bit differently on Saturday to where you could have gotten locked in that day, at least in positions 10 through 30? Yeah, definitely, you know, not experienced
2: at that situation. But, uh, you know, he just simply didn't have a fast car for whatever reason and it certainly wasn't through lack of hard work from the team in the off-season because, you know, I was a part of that and I know how much we did. So it was all a big surprise to us. But, um, you know, it was that nothing we could do about it at the time, you know, um and uh, I felt like maybe we could have done another run when there was no one in line there that might have got us through. It's just so hard to say, you know, if the car, car was was what it was, and, um, you know, fortunately, we got through the next day. Just, just got through. Like, honestly, like, that was as close as you can get to binning it and being out.
0: You hit the wall at the exit of turn two, and how hard a hit was it, and how much bravery did it take to keep your foot in it?
2: It was enough to to be very, very concerned turning into the next corner. Like I've hit the wall, brushed them before, but that wasn't a brush, that was a hit. Yeah. And that did bend something. And I was just praying that it held, you know, turning into the next one, just holding it wide open, knowing that if you lift, you're not going to make it the field. So um, certainly a high-pressure situation, not a good one to be in, but you know what, it really gives you an appreciation for that place and uh, and what it means to actually make the race. It's it's not a given. It's not a given that just because you're in Penske, you're going to rock up and uh, for sure get in the field. So these days it's so tough and um, a very good lesson and a lesson in appreciation for that place, you could say. And I'm kind of glad that it played out the way it did
0: well, the way it played out, you would have gone to Detroit, the first race after the Indy 500, where you finished 30th. You would have gone there. It would have been a triumphant return. You would have won the race. And then, boom, second red flag. Car won't start because the ECU unit. Were you beginning to think there's more to this maybe than just bad luck?
2: Well, that particular engine shot off on carb day while out on the track, shot off on the warm-up lap for the race, shut off under yellow, uh, the first yellow of the race and then didn't start at Detroit. And they still don't understand why it shut off at the race. So they can't work that one out. and I'm not sure what happened. I can't remember if they told me what happened in practice. It was a fuel, something like, yeah, I was like, really, really can't wait to get this engine out of my car, whether it's just bad luck or, um, you know, bad wiring loom or whatever it is. But when it's shut off four times and one of those it didn't even start to win a race, man. And I was just lucky at Indy. It was all over under that yellow. It was all over on the parade lap. And I was lucky under the yellow because on the parade lap, I was able, when it shut off, clutch it and coast all the way into pit lane and they could reboot it, whatever they had to do with the computer and not go a lap down. Then when it shut off under yellow, I just took a big guess and just went all the way down, reset the issue, put it up and it fired. Uh, otherwise, that was stop me on the
0: track, done for the day. I'm sure that was an engine you were glad to see get mileaged out. It's not. It's still in the car. It's still in the car. <laughs> How many more?
2: It's m- one race more. But it really showed well at Road America, like the power looked good. That was the That is the qualifying engine. That we assumed <laughs> I was questioning whether the, it was down on power or is it the car or what it is, but... Road America proved that the engine actually was right on par. It was, it was strong at Road America.
0: So the next race is going to be mid-Ohio on July the 4th, and it's going to be an early race, starts at 12 noon, which gives you plenty of time to spend with the family for the 4th of July. Yeah. What's your outlook going there, especially with this gremlin-like engine that you got to use?
2: Well, I mean, it was fine at uh, Road America. And it's really not the engine; it's been the electronics. Yeah. You would say, no, it's not the it's not the engine itself. It's uh, the electronics. But let's just say that engine's been through it. Qualifying at Indy, switching off at the race. Not starting, not starting in Detroit. You start to wonder: is it just a
0: cursed engine? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you would like to maybe see the mileage requirements for engines scaled back a little bit, so that you could yeah. swap those out a little <laughs> sooner well, rather I, than later. I, I would
2: like to see, you know, that you could swap an engine without getting such a penalty. That that would be a little better. If you could swap an engine, but I mean, there's got to be a penalty because then manufacturers are just swapping them all the time and building them to only run certain, and it'd bring up the cost. So, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, the engine isn't was good. Like it was good on power. It was. Um, it's just been these ridiculous gremlins that, yeah, maybe they should switch all the wiring in the, in, in the car, which they probably have anyway.
0: So, looking at Mid Ohio, though it's uh, your past history there, you've been competitive. Is it a favorite of yours? It, uh, yeah, definitely a track I enjoy. Took me
2: years to win it, so it was, um, yeah, w- w- I had that in my mind for for years to win that thing, and led it so many times, pole so many times, and finally got the win last year, which was through f- through f- through just perseverance. But uh, yeah, looking forward to um, going there and, and 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 having a strong weekend before we have that big break. Uh, yeah,
0: talk about Fourth of July vacations after the checkered flag of that race. You're not going to race in IndyCar again until August the eighth in Nashville, and that's a long time to have a break. Obviously, it's because NBC is televising the Tokyo Olympics, yeah. and uh, that was built into the schedule as it was other than the fact that Toronto has been cancelled, that race will now not be made up elsewhere. What's your thoughts on that? Well,
2: where I am in the points, I really wish we had another race to make it up, but it is what it is. Nothing we can do about it. Just one of those years. And, like, you, you, that's, the, the field is so competitive right now. If you had a pretty strong run, you could make up a lot of positions in the championship um, for sure. There's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be up and down all year. There's not, not the, although the, I, I said to myself, the first guy in this season with so many different winners, like seven different winners in the seven first races, the first person to win two races this year is the one I feel is going to win the championship. So that was Pato, but then Palou followed that up the next week. So, you know, I was kind of, you know, those two are definitely flying on all cylinders, but they haven't... Palou hasn't had a terrible run yet. You know, he's, he's had a pretty strong, strong, nothing terrible. I mean, St. Pete, yep, his car, something happened there, but uh, he's, I have to say, he, watching him race on Sunday, he's he's certainly, he's going for the championship. He's, he's a smart, hard racer. He's, he's no joke.
0: What are you going to do during the long break? I don't
2: know. I think the missus is going to go for a vacation, so that means I get my own little vacation here by myself. Cooking me and you will probably have some dinners or something, Bruce.
0: Well, after that one (laughs) Zoom call where you kept bringing up the barbecue thing, we'll have to uh, maybe start doing that during that break. Uh, Yeah. Each come up with a certain way to— Do you eat sushi? Sure. I, I'll eat pretty much anything, as anybody who knows me is uh, can attest to. When you have a break that long, how does it affect your momentum and the ability to do what the team's been doing? Um,
2: you know what? It can be a good reset, considering everything that, you know, sort of season that we've had up to this point. Or, you know... You might want to just continue on with some good results that that I've had. So, uh, yeah, either way, I think it'll be a a few weeks of good fitness and focus and get myself ready to come back real strong for uh, Nashville.
0: When you see yourself in the position you are in points, does it become a matter of the number of points you're back or the number of drivers you have to leapfrog to get in a good position? (laughs) It's it's you know, now
2: you're like looking at trying to get to the top five, so it's not really you don't even look at any of it, honestly. All you're focusing on is um, getting getting big big finishes, good for finish. you take a risk on strategy as well. You know, risks in strategy and that sort of thing, just because it doesn't matter for us right now. You know, we're out of the game anyway. You know, enough where We need
0: big results to get back in it, so we take risks. And, of course, you own a go-kart team. Are you going to spend a lot of that time during the off-season in the kart to stay sharp? In the off-season or the Uh, off-time? The off-time and the
2: off-season. Yeah, both. Yeah, both. I'll I'll do some karting in the off-time and the off-season. Definitely I'll do some races.
0: And uh, looking ahead to the rest of the season, you go from no races in five weeks to three straight race weekends. So, is that tough to go from zero to two thirty and just like that? Yeah, you got
2: to turn up and be on it. So, what does it start with? Nashville, Indy Road Course, and then Gateway, Gateway, and then it's the last three after that. Huh? Yes, yeah, that's that's got some good ones coming up, man. Good ones coming up.
0: But before you know it, the season's going to quickly be over. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, those
2: last three weekends in a row are going to be pretty interesting. It's three weekends in a row, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that'll be a big, be some big swings in championship in that,
0: (laughs) those three. But on the uh, positive note, you've re-signed with Team Penske for two years, and that has to be a big burden lifted off of you. It is,
2: yeah. Yep. It's, um... Really nice to know where you're going to be for the next couple of years, and it's right where I want to be.
0: But this is not going to be your last contract. Uh, well, who knows?
2: Who knows? I mean, I if I'm still winning races at that point, it'd be pretty hard to give it away.
0: But basically, uh, the what you've accomplished at Team Penske, when you think about how you got there in the first place, there's a little bit of synergy because the guy that you filled in for was Elio Castroneves. Ran into a little bit of an accounting problem back in 2009 Mm -hmm. that he uh, had to go to trial over. You were his fill-in driver, and there were no guarantees back in 2009 that uh, you were going to be able to last at Team Penske. Yeah. He got acquitted. You kept a ride, and now here we are. That many years later, he wins the Indy 500. You're still out here winning polls and races. How do you feel like the way that's all cycled around? It's pretty crazy. It's a long time. Um, and it's pretty cool
2: to have raced and been a teammate with a four-time Indy 500 winner in this era. Um, and what a year Elio's had to win win the 24-hour, then come along and win the Indy 500. I mean, that's, uh, yep. Yep he's he's pretty you can tell he's feeling pretty good
0: well i can tell that you're feeling pretty good too you've still got the raciness left in you 2014 ntt indycar series champion and 2018 indianapolis 500 winner willpower driver of the number 12 verizon chevrolet at team penske good luck the rest of the season and thank you for joining us today on pit pass indy thanks bruce And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guests for joining us today, including Team Penske driver Willpower and Ed Carpenter racing driver Renus VK for joining us on today's show. Along with loyal listeners like you, they help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at bruce martin one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.